I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm lip fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Something unsettling occurred the other night, leaving me both perplexed and disturbed. It was an incident involving my cherished chickens, and the aftermath defied all logical explanations. In recent weeks, there had been reports of raccoons and foxes roaming the area, making their presence known. However, no other creatures were known to inhabit this vicinity, 
making this particular occurrence all the more perplexing. As the evening shadows deepened, a sense of unease compelled me to investigate my chicken coop. I braced myself for a sight that would shake me to my core. What I discovered was beyond my worst fears. The once sturdy fence, which had always stood strong, was now bent in half, as if some tremendous force had mercilessly twisted it, and that was just the beginning. Upon closer inspection, I realized that the top of another fence, a wire mesh ceiling, had been torn apart with an alarming precision. It was as if no ordinary animal could accomplish such a feat. This was a large gap, far too extensive for mere claws, or paws to create. The sheer enormity of the destruction left me with a sinking feeling in the pit of my stomach. It was as if something malevolent and supernaturally powerful had paid a visit to my beloved chickens. With trepidation, I began examining the lifeless bodies of my feathered companions, searching for any clues that might shed light on what had transpired. Yet, to my astonishment, there were no tell-tale signs of an animal attack, no traces of blood, no discernible teeth marks, no visible scratch wounds. It was as if their lives had been taken with a chilling efficiency, leaving no visible evidence of the culprit. Adding to the eerie nature of the ordeal, there were no footprints or any other tangible traces of the intruder. It was as if this vampiric entity had come and gone in complete silence, leaving behind only a trail of bewilderment and fear. Throughout that restless night, I pondered the enigma that had unfolded before me. How could such an event occur without any tangible explanation? Why were my chickens targeted with such precision and inexplicable absence of bloodshed? I sought solace in the presence of my faithful canine companion, hoping to find reassurance or some indication that he, too, had sensed the malevolence that had beset our homestead. Yet even my dog, known for his keen senses, had remained oblivious to the presence of any intruder. It was as if the nocturnal visitor had managed to evade all detection, leaving us in a state of confounding perplexity. Days have passed since that harrowing night, but the questions persist. The memory of the inexplicable events lingers, casting a shadow of unease over my once peaceful abode. I am left with a deepening sense of vulnerability, knowing that there are forces at work beyond our comprehension. In this world, mysteries abound, and sometimes the most unsettling occurrences defy all attempts at rational explanation. The encounter with this unknown entity has left me confuzzled struggling to reconcile the reality of what transpired with the limits of my understanding. Perhaps in time the answers will reveal themselves, shedding light on the inexplicable and quelling the lingering unease that permeates my soul. So I'm not one for believing too much of cryptid lore. Never had an encounter before or anything like that. But my partner and I live on the border of upstate New York, not far from the Whitehall Bigfoot area. One night, partner was taken out the garbage and came back inside startled. I mean, really shook up. They said they had seen a creature that looked like maybe a fox or a coyote, but that it then stood up on its hind legs, and so they booked it back inside. Fast forward about a month, and I'm outside on my porch smoking a cigarette, enjoying the stars under a crystal clear sky. We have a small plot next to our house that has a toe. 
behind landscaping trailer permanently parked on it about 20-ish feet away from the house. After a while of standing outside, I get the sudden and intense feeling like something is watching me, just that primal feeling of danger. It should be noted that, like most people up here, I'm usually carrying a gun on me. Coyotes and bears are fairly common up here, so I kind of do the four corners check of my surroundings. When I looked over to that trailer, I saw there was something the size of a large dog laying in the grass. Mind you, it's a clear night with a not-quite-full moon, and the grass was uncut long, but not like a meadow. If I had to estimate, I'd say seven, nine inches high, so I had a really good view of this thing. Now I know never to approach a random animal bedded down at night, so I just kind of watch it for a second. Even in the light of the moon, its outline and coat were pitch black, blacker than anything I've seen before, unnaturally contrasting against the ground it laid on. Then it looks up. It has piercing red eyes. I'm thinking, oh, what the F, and put my hand on my revolver. I ain't about to be coyote food. And then it stood up. It stood up on its hind legs. The only way I can describe the legs of it is like that goat or human hybrid from the Narnia movie, but with the torso like a hybrid of man and canine. It was taller than me, and I'm six feet one. It didn't even need to take a step. I flicked whatever was left of my cigarette and backed away to the door, locked and bolted it, and spent the rest of the night wondering what I just saw. Now I'll admit I'm a religious man, but that thing didn't fit the description of any gen I've heard of. It's to this day one of the few things in my life I cannot explain. We've installed security cameras since, but now the light is under construction and we haven't seen it since. I don't know what I saw that night, truly, but I intend to find out one way or another. I want to go into the forest near the plot and look for signs. Does anyone have any advice on hunting this sort cryptid? I'll update with any further happenings, should they appear again. I worked for a non-profit that relied on big donations from very wealthy donors. This meant cultivating relationships with some very wealthy people. One of the donors I was tasked with shepherding, let's call him Dan, invited me out for a weekend yachting off of Slash, around Slash near Catalina. I was excited. My partner gets seasick, so we never did boat trips, even though we lived near the coast. Our first night out was beautiful, and we're all lounging on the deck of this gorgeous yacht talking about eerie ocean stuff. Dan mentions that he has this thin, inflatable rollout panel that he tethers to the boat and lets float out in the water with 100 feet or so of rope that people can use as a sort of swimming platform like this, maybe a bit bigger. We get the idea that we should unfurl this thing into the darkness and experience the freakiness of it at night. I was equal parts frightened and curious, as was everyone else. So a group of four of us did it, while two people stayed on the boat. We get the thing out, slide it into the water, check the rope, and push off. It's pretty instantly terrifying. You can see the dim lights on the boat. But after about 40 feet, it seems really, really far away. But it was undeniably awesome, too. We're chatting quietly to ourselves, but mostly we're being quiet and just taking in the weird mix of fear and awe of being so close to the water in the middle of the night. We get to the point where the tether gets taut, and you can immediately feel the current tugging us away from the big boat. 
which again, freaky, but we're confidently tied to the big boat. It's hard to see much of anything other than a few lights on Kitalina. We're on the ocean side, not the bay side, even though we're not far from shore. I lie back flat on the platform and everyone else does the same. The water wasn't rough, but it was moving, so you get rocked in random directions, splashes of water that lip up over the edge and get everyone wet. It was nice. All of a sudden, the feeling of the waves, kind of random and choppy. Transitions to a very smooth swell, which makes us all gasp. We're rising, 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 quickly but smoothly, and everyone jolts upright. There's virtually no light from the moon, but it's enough for us to notice the gigantic thing just under the surface of the water from us. As soon as we notice it, it's already passing, and it sets in that it must be a massive, massive whale moving right below us, maybe a foot or two down, and we're feeling the water displacement from it. No one makes a peep. I immediately grab the tether and start pulling us in. Others start to help. No one makes a sound until we get back to the big boat, which no one leaves for the rest of the trip. It's all we talk about for the next 24 hours. Needless to say, I now have a healthy fear of the ocean, especially at night. People are tiny. Ocean is big. My name is Tanya, and I'm a teacher at a local school. One evening, after visiting a fellow teacher and friend, I began my journey home. To reach the bus stop, I had to traverse a forest track. Little did I know that this ordinary walk would soon become an extraordinary experience. As I made my way through the peaceful woods, a faint voice reached my ears. I halted, my curiosity peaked, scanning my surroundings for the source of the call. And there, just a few steps away, stood a small humanoid figure. It was unlike anything I had ever encountered before. The creature wore a tight-fitting black overall resembling a diver's suit. To my astonishment, it communicated with me telepathically. The being introduced itself as a traveler, akin to the astronauts or cosmonauts of our own world having journeyed from a distant corner of space. It sought my advice, or perhaps my assistance. Despite the strangeness of the situation, I felt an overwhelming sense of calm and curiosity instead of fear. Compelled by intrigue, I agreed to accompany the enigmatic visitor to its spacecraft. Together, we veered off the beaten path, venturing deeper into the dense pine forest. And then, before me, loomed a colossal silver object resembling a flattened egg, towering like a medium-sized truck. It lacked wings or windows its form defying conventional understanding. With a simple hand gesture from the alien, an invisible hatch materialized, revealing an entrance into the craft. Stepping inside, I found myself in a cabin devoid of visible controls or mechanical instruments. The creature motioned for me to settle into a deep armchair, which felt strangely inflatable and unnatural. As I sat, I scrutinized the alien more closely, noticing the details that had escaped me earlier. Its hands possessed six fingers, a peculiar trait. Its expressionless face seemed almost doll-like, and its mouth moved out of sync with its speech reminiscent of a puppet. The alien explained that the interaction between us held immense significance for both scientific understanding and the advancement of civilization, both on Earth and its own planet. Astonishingly, it proposed a most extraordinary proposition, 
to engage in intimacy with the purpose of conception. It assured me of its unwavering commitment to care for me and our future child, offering assistance during critical times through imperceptible means. Months later, my child was born, evoking concerns among doctors due to his unique physical attributes. Yet, these worries soon dissipated as he thrived and grew, appearing outwardly ordinary except for a few peculiarities. His eyes lacked lacrimal glands, and his breathing became shallow during sleep. To ensure his well-being, I even secured a job at a nearby kindergarten to keep a watchful eye on him. In 1992, a local newspaper correspondent had the opportunity to meet the boy and hear his story. According to the journalist's account, when sunlight graced his eyes, they emitted a red glow akin to a Siamese cat, with his pupils transforming into vertical slits. Remarkably, the boy possessed a mature countenance resembling that of a Lilliputian. During their extensive conversation, lasting four hours, the boy revealed that, besides myself, the journalist was the first person he had confided in regarding his extraordinary origin. He spoke with confidence, saying, I am unafraid of our secret because my father will protect me from harm. I carry his knowledge and experience inherited even before my birth. In some aspects, I embody his individuality, not just in flesh and blood. The boy, however, declined to demonstrate his abilities, but hinted at changes within his own body including temporary transparency. He expressed the desire to share his wisdom with those willing to help humanity, including the people of Russia, to navigate through challenging times. According to him, humanity stood on the precipice of an evolutionary leap, faced with the choice to embrace transformation or fade from the cosmos. He emphasized ecological concerns, the struggle to adapt to new technologies and overpopulation. Moreover, the boy proclaimed that all religions were essentially one and urged the inhabitants of Earth to renew their consciousness, akin to ancient mystics and prophets, becoming spiritually awakened individuals living in harmony with the divine laws. In the second phase of his experiment, he aspired to determine if the qualities of Earth's inhabitants could be inherited, much like his father's qualities. With positive changes occurring on Earth, the boy believed his father's planet and its civilization could eventually join forces with ours. The story of this extraordinary encounter continues to intrigue and challenge the bounds of our understanding. It serves as a reminder that the universe holds wonders beyond our comprehension, offering glimpses into a realm where the extraordinary and the ordinary coexist in fascinating harmony. I've never been much of a believer. Still not, but I have no idea what could have caused this. For context, I'm staying alone in a super remote cabin. It is very old, and you can't walk around without the floors creaking. There is a small grave in the backyard with the bodies of people who originally built the place. One morning, I got woken up around 6.30 a.m. by loud banging noises. It sounded like a very drunk person stumbling around and sort of bouncing off the walls and fumbling with things. But the sound stated in one spot. It's a weird description, I know. At first I thought someone had broken in before realizing. The floors were not creaking. The sound went on for a few minutes, then slowing and returning, finally going away. I checked the whole house with nothing to be found. Later on I looked in the attic for a possible animal and still nothing. You can't even stand over the spot the noises came from. 
plus it's too loud for a small animal to make those noises. Lastly, I know it wasn't carbon monoxide or a waking dream deal, because I got some of the noises on video. It hasn't the loud ones, just a few small bumps, as I was more worried about the person I believed to be in the house, but it's still enough for me. So when I was 14, 15 years old, my parents owned a travel trailer. One of those you attached to the bumper of a truck. It had bunk beds in it, and I would sleep on the top. We went on a trip. Near Cloud Croft NM during COVID, we went to get out of the house. On the third night, I remember getting up in the middle of the night. It was pitch black because we were out in the mountains. When I peeked out of the curtain, I'd just see this figure in the dark, and the only thing I could see is its piercing white eyes looking at me. I lay back down, trying to sleep again. But not long after do I hear scratching on the floor I didn't get up. I felt a presence behind me as if it was just looking at me. I just remember crying asleep that night. The next encounter I had with, I was in my own room. I was 16 at the time. It was around 12 a.m. to 1. I was just scrolling through my phone before bed. I turned off my phone, and after 15 minutes of trying to go to bed, I opened my eyes and looked at the foot of my bed, and it was just staring at me again. I put my head under my covers, trying to get rid of it or to go away. It was just observing me. I could feel it. Eyes seeing, though, me. My last encounter was also on a trip this time to San Antonio. It was night again, but this time my parents bought a new fifth-wheel trailer, and I had my own room with the door. I was staying up on my phone once again, but this one is different. It couldn't get in. All I remember is that it was scratching at the door, trying to get in after a while. I think it gave up and thankfully left. I haven't had an encounter since then, and hopefully I will never have to. So my dad and I were hiking back in late November 2005 in a place called the UBC Research Forest, north of Pitt Meadows, British Columbia, Canada, about 30 miles east and a bit north of Vancouver. It's on the edge of the mountains with several logging roads and trails. Anyway, the day was already getting late when we headed out, and the weather was horrible. There was no wind, but there were showers, hail, and slush. It was around three degrees Celsius. We were the only ones in the area hiking, and the parking lot was empty both when we arrived and left. After about an hour of hiking, randomly up logging roads and trails, we were a good several kilometers into the area when we took a break by a small stream and a small gully. Anyways, we smelled this horrible scent, sort of skunkish, with a human and fish scent mixed in. Neither of us had ever smelled anything like this before, and we've both encountered every large animal there is out here on the coast. Because there was no wind, we knew it was close. We kept going along this hillside. Above us, fifty feet up, was an old, overgrown logging slash. Below us, a thickly wooded slope, where we could see maybe a hundred feet down. We started feeling like we were being followed, and the forest became too silent. Even the local ravens didn't make a sound. We smelled the scent another two times, stronger each time. So we began hiking faster. As we came out of a small gully, we heard a crash. Spinning around, we raced back to the crest and looked back down. Something large and tall, easily taller than my dad, who was six foot, disappeared into the bush. 
We just caught a glimpse of dark brown. Since neither of us was armed, we continued on at full pace, knowing there was a logging road ahead. Again, we smelled that weird smell. We heard noises from the old logging meadow above us. Whatever it was, it was moving very silently, yet occasionally breaking a branch or bumping a small tree. I've been followed by bears and cats before, but neither moved like this. It was way too silent to be either... For the record, grizzlies aren't in this area, but I have encountered them before, too. After we rounded a bend in the slope, we heard movement again. This time it was on the lower side of us. Or so it seemed. After another few minutes, we heard it again and smelled it. Now it was moving on the upper side of us, just over a low ridge, maybe a hundred feet away. By now, we could see the logging road a hundred or two hundred feet ahead. Then this thing let out a cry that sent a shiver down my spine. My dad, whom I have never seen afraid before, except the one time I was near death, another story, went cold. It sounded like a cross between a whoop, a human, and something unknown. It lasted for about five seconds. We turned and ran to the road. Running down the road, we passed a junction and continued heading south. I dropped something a few seconds later, about two hundred feet past the junction. I stopped, turned, and picked it up. Up, amongst the trees, something tall and dark ducked out of sight. I have no clue what it was, but it was tall and fairly slim. It was too dark to really tell what it was as it was getting close to dark. And so we ran back to the parking lot. Unfortunately, it snowed the next day several inches. Otherwise, we would have gone back and searched for evidence of this occurrence. This to this day frustrates both of us. Nevertheless, this is the only time I have ever been scared in the woods. This wasn't total seclusion, but when I was a kid, I was a Boy Scout and one of the merit badges, Wilderness Survival required that you spend one night with one other person in a shelter you built. Me and another scout hiked out around ten miles from the base camp, and me and another scout went off another mile and set up our shelter. Later in the day, the counselor came and checked on us to make sure our shelter was done and to drop off some food for us. He left, and me and the scout crawled into our shelter to sleep. That entire night was incredibly messed. Me and the scout had incredibly surreal dreams and would often be drifting in and out of sleep. At one point, I woke up and looked out of the shelter, and I swear in my life I saw some black figure outside of it staring right back at me. Even later, I went out to pee, and everything outside was completely silent, and it felt as if I was being watched. Me and the scout ended up leaving the shelter around five in the morning to get back to the camp, and we never told anyone outside of fellow scouts about it. So back like eight years ago or so, I was around the age of eight. Me and my family were on our way back from a family fishing trip in the springtime. For reference, we live in Canada, and the place we drove to was about two hours away from any kind of civilization. So we're driving down the road when we see this hooded figure walking along in the field. As we drive by, we notice he was wearing the Grim Reaper hood, and he had the Sith, but you couldn't see his face. As we passed, he stopped and stared at us. Needless to say, we got heck out of there in a hurry. Once, my mom and I were driving to Las Vegas from Santa Clarita. 
We were just passing Barstow and on the I-15. It was right about high noon and very hot. Not a cloud in the sky. She had a fancy Lexus at the time with a touchscreen console on the dash that could play DVDs while driving. I remember we were on a long stretch of road with a lot of space between cars on the highway. One minute, we see nothing ahead of us, and then all of a sudden, a woman was walking across the highway right in front of our vehicle. My mom swerved behind her and barely missed her. She pulled off to the shoulder, and we looked behind us, and we see her go all the way across the highway, including westbound traffic. Then she turned around and walked all the way across again, each time nearly getting clipped by an unsuspecting and oncoming car like ourselves. At one point, the semi-truck almost hit her head on missing her by literally one step. Each step she took was a steady and confident step, looking ahead of her and never batting an eye to any oncoming traffic. She was barefoot, mind you, and walking on the boiling asphalt with zero sense of urgency. So my mom calls 911. We're directed to highway patrol. They say they received numerous reports and they're headed out to it. My mom decided after hanging up to slowly reverse down the shoulder to get a better look and see if she's okay. Yes, I know. Stupid in more than one way. As we get to a spot behind her now, she's crossed the highway and is now in front of our vehicle. This part, I will never forget. The woman slowly turns her head and looks at us and is now slowly but steadily walking towards our car. She was white as day in every way. White nightgown, pale, dry, wrinkled skin, white hair, and the palest bluish gray eyes I've ever seen in barefoot almost looked like a walking dead version of Rose Dawson from Titanic. I was in the passenger seat, which was on the shoulder. When my mom made eye contact, she froze, absolutely shut down. I remember the woman walking so close to my door I could see her eyes make contact with mine. It looked as if she was blind and lifeless but could not just see me, but see into and through me like into my soul. I went cold immediately. She reached for my door handle and I remember screaming at my mom to punch the gas and without hesitation she came to quick and we peeled out of there. In the back window I saw her watch us speed off and then continued across the road again. A mile down the highway, we called highway patrol to see what happened, and they didn't have a clue what we were talking about and said they got no reports of a woman crossing the highway. My mom to this day still doesn't remember the time between when we reversed to when we dipped out. I have no idea what happened that day except for what I witnessed and experienced. When I was younger... We had this family friend named Joe. We called him Debenok. He was awesome. Like one of those uncles who would spoil the shit out of you. He became sick one day and passed away when I was at school. I was in maybe grade five or six, so I didn't really know what was going on at the time. He was a diabetic, like my dad, but Joe's was worse. One of the last times I seen him was at my parents' place. I just got home from school. He was pale and seemed drowsy. Silent. My dad told me he was sick and that he had something for me. It was a five dollars bill. Before I got home and started to become aware of Joe's condition, my dad told me that he was seeing people that weren't there, like people that have already passed away, loved ones just standing around in the living room. Present, his condition grew dire. 
He couldn't leave his house or even get up to leave his bed, but his wife, Naomi, was taking good care of him. She had told us a story about a few nights before his death. They had a horrifying experience. She gets ready for bed and falls asleep next to her husband. She eventually wakes up to someone screaming her name. The bed is empty. Naomi realizes that the screaming is coming from the front door, and it's Joe's voice. He is shouting the words, Naomi, get the F out here and see this. She jumps out of the bed as fast as she could, and she races towards the front door. As she's halfway, she can hear a glass smash, followed by these loud, heavy footsteps stomping off and down the front steps. She approaches the door, and Joe is shaking with this shocked expression, pointing off into the darkness. Naomi sees this shadowy figure bolting fast into the field not too far from their house. She was killed to the bone, but was able to bring her husband back inside. It was peculiar. Joe was incapable of leaving his own bed, but was able to somehow, in the middle of the night, make it to the front porch with a glass of water for fresh air where he was met by whatever that thing was. He never told anyone what he had seen. The scary thing is, he passed away while standing in the same exact spot 